Now it's 7.43 and the US is investing $113 million into the Asia-Pacific region. According to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, it's part of the Trump administration's Indo-Pacific strategy, seen as many, seen by many rather, as the response to China's Belt and Road Initiative. Let's now turn to Brian Eiler, Director of Simpson's Southeast Asia Programme. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, and it's great to be here. So the nature of this strategy, is is it about military options? Uh, Is it more about the economy or a bit of both? Uh, And and just to add on another distinction there, how would it differ from what we're already seeing under the Obama administration's pivot to Asia? Great. These are great questions. And um, Secretary Pompeo's announcement a few weeks ago, um, interestingly, was kind of misread as some type of infrastructure fund that would compete directly with China's Belt and Road Initiative. Um, first of all, that uh, was a mischaracterization um, because the the $113 million that has been set aside is, is not to invest in infrastructure, but it's rather to set up what's called the Indo-Pacific Transaction Advisory Fund, and that will provide legal support and other kinds of support to help Indo-Pacific countries during complex infrastructure development project negotiations. Um, so that's one thing I, I, I do want to, um, uh, you know, get the record straight on. Um, that said, there's going to be a lot more coming out of um, Congress, the U.S. Congress, actually, um, more funding and, and more strategic approaches to um, engage with countries in the Pacific on providing more options uh, for high-quality infrastructure. And in that sense, uh, that which is to come, will compete with uh, China's Belt and Road Initiative. Well, speaking of the Obama administration, and and there was no doubt this pivot to Asia that we briefly referred to before, have we we seen that swing in other directions dramatically under President Trump? Um, Not at all. I, I think it's a function of a new administration, um, to regroup and to, you know, reform, redress uh, foreign policy. And typically through administrations, um, Asia-Pacific foreign policy doesn't change. What I think we're in now is that, um, although it's a late response and originally was a very inarticulated response, we're seeing a response called the Indo-Pacific, free and open Indo-Pacific uh, strategy that in many ways is, is again, it's a redressing of the, the pivot to Asia and both initiatives um, started out kind of heavy on the military focus and uh, quickly realized that um, one way to meet diplomatic and strategic goals is on the development side and diplomacy side. So and now um, uh, for the Trump administration, these more development focused, particularly infrastructure development focused initiatives are coming forward. And, and just to be clear that I think the Trump administration was, again, laid out of the gates to articulate what free and open in the Pacific meant. And that's why uh, the U.S. Congress has come out with two new bills that are going through um, uh, approval process right now for deep engagement with the Indo-Pacific. Let's uh, break down what Secretary of State Mike Pompeo actually said. So late July, he spoke of this $113 million investment on various initiatives. But then again, more recently, he pledged nearly $300 million in security funding for the region. And uh, this would just be the start to a new era. A lot of immediate commentaries have suggested 
still, this is all talk, and the U.S. is a bit late to the party. What's your view? Right. No, I agree that the U.S. is late to the party. And in terms of other development partners in the Indo-Pacific, if we're looking at development specifically, um, it's hard to say that the U.S. is a leader among equals uh, these days. Japan um, has really forged ahead, uh, particularly infrastructure development uh, in, let's say, Southeast Asia. Uh, Germany is hard at work, Australia, the EU. um, And it's really time for the U.S., again, to step up um, and take that leadership among equals role. It's not even a higher role to convene the activities and collaborate with those development partners in a way that, again, provides more choices, um, levels the playing field a bit for high-quality um, uh, development and infrastructure within the region. How threatened will China be, given the trillions of dollars it's pumping into Asia, as well as other parts of the world, including Africa and Europe? Well, I hope that China feels kind of engaged or, or um, invigorated by this process. The Belt and Road Initiative um, has been criticized recently, particularly in the last two months, as one that is you know, overburdening countries with loans that are you know, not going to pay off or be able to be paid off um, in the long run by these countries. Um, uh, China's own record for gaining successful projects, you know, China will say, we'll commit X amount of money, X tens of billions of dollars. But um, in terms of actually landing a project, an infrastructure development project to build is, is um, 10 to 1, where kind of the rest of the development partners average is about 5 to 1. Um, so, you know, this could, this could kind of uh, invigorate a, a, a race to the top, if you will, um, where China rightfully needs to readdress uh, its own uh, strategy to provide more high-quality uh, and, and more productive and constructive engagement in the region. Does their ongoing trade war not affect that race at the top, though? Um, it could, uh, and, and it could hamper um, the Belt and Road Initiative uh, and, and the resources that the Chinese government can plow into this. So, um, you know, in, in some ways... Um, it could, this type of engagement could promote a kind of zero-sum game. Um, and that's not something as an analyst uh, who um, cares about positive outcomes for, say, Southeast Asia wants to see. I want to see um, a not a zero-sum game, that China's making good investments in the region, the U.S. is making good investments in the region, um, and development partners are partnering um, with with these countries to Uh, drive economic development forward in a sustainable manner. Well, speaking of partnerships, Mike Pompeo again to to get one of his uh, recent comments. He said the US doesn't invest for political influence, but rather practices partnership economics. Mm -hmm. Is that a realistic assessment of the US position, given uh, that he's clearly accusing China of doing exactly that, trying to exert its influence? Right. Um, I think that's one reflective of um, the interpretation of, of China's interaction with countries, say, in Southeast Asia and the Indo-Pacific, you know, Sri Lanka included, um, that it comes with a certain level of political influence. And China always, uh, Chinese foreign ministry always says that what we're doing has really no strings attached. But, you know, the truth is in the, <laughs> in the pudding, if you will, um, that uh, certainly there looks to be degrees of political influence exerted in these countries. Looking at Cambodia, uh, for example, where um, China was the 
top observer of the recent elections there. Um, but it's also, I, I think, a function of the fact that, that U.S. Um, engagement has been weak in the region. And uh, the first step of, of many will be to reestablish and re-energize the partnerships that the U.S. has in the region. And one of the ways to do that, and we're seeing this with an initial investment of $25 million, uh, is to improve countries' digital connectivity. And that might Mm -hmm. be seen as a benevolent move, but it's also clearly uh, an opportunity for U.S. tech exports. Indeed. Um, And uh, it's it's looking at e-commerce, but also um, I think the U.S. Uh, cares about development situations in every pocket of, of uh, and corner of, of these countries, particularly those that the U.S. has strategic um, uh, relations with. And um, leaving communities behind in a digital age because, um, you know, you can't get uh, Internet access or you cannot get other forms of digital access to these communities leaves them behind economically. So this is a smart, I think, socioeconomic uh, investment in, in in the region that um, should be enhanced and increased. Uh, another area uh, is the interesting dynamic between private versus public investment, and Pompeo's emphasized the importance of private sector money. D- do you see other like-minded countries like Japan and, and Australia partnering the U.S. in that respect? Entirely. And I think that uh, this fall will reveal some very innovative partnerships between uh, the U.S., Japan, Australia, particularly on infrastructure development. But um, the key to unlocking uh, new investment, uh, infrastructure investment and, and commercial investment in Southeast Asia is in the private sector. Uh, so the government support can come in to help kind of grease the wheels a bit um, of, of that process to assist with pre-feasibility studies and grants to, um, to contractors that will um, help demonstrate uh, what opportunities are actually there. It's, it's, it's that kind of pre-project process right now that is discouraging many investors um, from jumping into filling the $2 trillion infrastructure investment gap that is, exists in the ASEAN region. Um, and uh, some smart kind of impact funding uh, to get these private uh, investors into the mix uh, will go a long way. If, on the other hand, we do see this go relatively smoothly, could this actually bolster relations between the U.S. and China and, and, and help them find a way out of their current standoff on the trade front? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I, I maybe too optimistic. A lot of, uh, yeah, that, I think we're being too optimistic there. I don't think there's a, uh, there's currently um, not a lot of forward-looking momentum to uh, and discourse to partner with the BRI on this. I believe that uh, it's kind of taking a claim that um, this is the way the U.S. is going to approach. Uh, infrastructure development and development finance within um, the developing world. Maybe if China wants to join in and can, you know, live up to the new standard, um, then there's a way to collaborate. But um, I don't see it playing out that way. Thank you so much, Brian Isla, Director of Stimson's Southeast Asia Program. Thank you.